conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. So do you know what sleep hygiene is? Did you sleep? What time did you wake up yesterday morning, a Sunday? What time did you wake up on Saturday morning? What time did you wake up this morning? I've got to tell you the difference between the time that I wake up on a Sunday morning and the difference between when I wake up on a Monday morning is huge. And obviously I do a strange thing in the morning, but still, you know, it's huge. Well, it's interesting to see how people talk about this. Tanya Muir is an occupational therapist and owner of Sleep OT South Africa. Tanya, good morning. Good morning, Stephen, and your listeners. Hope we didn't wake you up. Um, <laughs> you make the point that you shouldn't sleep in on weekends. Come on, Tanya, why not? <laughs> well, the reason is because we have a clock in our brains that masters the 24-hour cycle of various processes in your body. And if you don't keep that cycle regular, um, you're in for risks of all sorts of uh, health problems. So we call it a circadian rhythm. And um, the difference between a sort of sleeping in an extra two or three hours compared to the weekday is going to completely confuse your circadian rhythm. We, we liken it a little bit to jet lag. So when you travel across time zones and your body takes about three days to get used to that change, a similar thing happens from a Sunday to a Monday if you've got this huge difference in wake-up times where your body has to try and figure out what time zone are you in. So we call this social jet lag when people use the weekends to try and catch up sleep which is not really possible, and then on a Monday try and get back into their routine. So it's actually recommended to keep your seven days as regular as possible in terms of your wake-up time. Um, if, your body need, if you don't wake up on a Saturday or a Sunday, isn't that because you need the sleep and shouldn't you give your body the sleep? And I must tell you, I mean, I wake up very early during the week for various reasons. Um, but but on weekends, if I wake up early on the weekend, I'm grumpy the whole day and I feel that my body needs the sleep. It needs to catch up. I know you can't build up reserves of sleep, but you can catch up. Yes, I hear you. So what that's, your, your body is really telling you that you have sleep deprivation, possibly from the week before. So it's not about um, binge sleeping on the weekend that's going to actually help you in the long run. What you need to do is have a regular... Um, the line uh, to Tanya unfortunately um, not sure what happened someone was caught napping haha um, but just uh, tried and to continue that conversation I as you can tell have a very personal interest in how much sleep uh, people get Tanya Muir back with us now uh, Tanya you were telling us that um, we need to actually make sure that we get enough sleep during the week rather than catching up on weekends Yes, I was saying your case is a little bit unique because we'd consider you probably a bit of a shift worker. But um, for for most people, if you're not getting that regular uh, wake-up time and sleep time during the week, then your body is going to scream at you on the weekend and say, come on, let's catch, try and catch this up. You're going to be completely exhausted. But actually, been sleeping on the weekend is not going to help you in the long term. Okay. Um, and then... How do you get to sleep? Now, I know I'm, you know, a little older than I used to be, unfortunately, not as young as I'll hopefully get. Mm -hmm. But I know that exercise, if I exercise at all during the day, that helps me sleep. How important is exercise? Yes, exercise plays a massive role in helping with sleep. Um, so basically, as you are exercising, there's a lot of other processes that are happening at that time that are going to assist with the onset of sleep. But you're also using up energy, and a lot of people struggle to sleep at night because they haven't actually used up enough energy during the day. 
So we want to build up this pressure for sleep during the day, and exercise can help with that. That's one way that exercise can help. Um, other things is that um, various hormones are being balanced out during exercise, and those hormones can contribute to um, the onset of sleep as well. So very, very important role that exercise plays. A lot of people talk about mental health, uh, and not just at the moment, but just generally, particularly coming out of the pandemic. I think it's something that we've sort of uh, realized we need to deal with more effectively than we have as a society. Um, is there a link between mental health and sleep? If you don't get enough sleep, if you're tired, does that lead to more depression? Yes, absolutely. So mental health and or mental illness and sleep deprivation have a bi-directional relationship, basically meaning that if you're not getting enough sleep, you're likely to suffer with some kind of mental health fallout and if your mental health is not being looked after you're likely to also have sleep problems so we all know that after one night of sleep uh, issues we're going to wake up maybe feeling grumpy or irritable as you mentioned earlier we might fight more easily with other people just really feel down Um, but if you have that chronically so on an ongoing basis for long term you're at a much higher risk of developing anxiety, depression, and if, it's, if you're predisposed to other mental illnesses as well. Uh, can, it, can it even lead to memory loss? Yes, absolutely. So during your sleep, your brain is attending to all the information that it's received from the day and sort of making sense of it and deciding what's important to keep and what we can sort of get rid of and not worry about in the, next, in the future. Um, so that is part of developing memories and, and, and maintaining your memory and that's happening while you are sleeping it's the it's the main time that your brain is attending to that so if you're not getting the good sleep that you need you're likely to suffer from memory loss um yeah just in the daytime or on a long-term basis in terms of developing things like dementia and alzheimer's specifically as i talk to you i'm holding in my right hand the single biggest device which probably interferes with people's sleep it's a cell phone mm. uh you look at it it's the fir- often the last thing you look at when you go to bed and the first thing that you look at when you wake up how disruptive are they so as part of sleep hygiene we recommend that we that people don't use it as the last thing uh, of the day or the first thing of the day and just to kind of switch off and, and actually attend to winding down before going to sleep. So there's two points here. and A lot of attention has been given to the blue light that is emitted by devices. Um, and more recent research has shown that it's actually less about the blue light that affects our ability to fall asleep or get into a deep sleep. It's actually more about the content with which we are engaging that causes us a little bit of anxiety or stress that actually then contributes to our ability to sleep well. So it's actually more about what are you looking at on these devices? How is it making you feel? Or what is it making you think about that is possibly winding you up instead of down so that you can get a good night of sleep? So we're really recommending that people let go of their devices from at least half an hour, but up to an hour before actually deciding to go to sleep. And first thing in the morning, rather looking at things like meditation or getting out into the sunshine or rather getting into your morning routine before checking emails and messages, etc. So the easiest way to do that is actually to keep your cell phone out of the bedroom and not to have it right next to you during the night. And it doesn't apply to anyone we want to speak to early in the morning, um, just to make <laughs> that clear. And then... Uh, Ooh, um, and then uh, for a lot of people, you know, you have a small nap during the day. Is that a bad thing? Naps also have an interesting um, you know, array of research that, that, that has backed it up. So it depends. And that's really the main answer is because in some cases, naps are really necessary. So, for example, for you, 
when you get to your weekend and you're absolutely sleep deprived, instead of sleeping in in the morning, get up, start your day, get your clock working in your body, and then rather have a nap later in the day. But what you want to do is, is time that nap correctly. So when we nap, we decrease that sleep pressure that we need at nighttime to fall asleep. And so you're letting go of some of that pressure. It's going to take much longer to then fall asleep and build that pressure again after your nap. So we want to stick to shorter naps, 20 to 30 minutes. That's before your brain gets into a deep sleep because it's much harder to wake up from a deep sleep and you'll feel much more groggy and kind of wish you didn't have a nap in the first place. So you want to rather keep a 20 to 30 minute nap and earlier in the afternoon sort of 2 p.m., 3 p.m., depending what time you woke up in the morning. So they do have a place, but I wouldn't recommend it on a daily basis unless you have an underlying medical condition that requires it. Tanya Muir, thank you very much. Indeed, do appreciate it. Occupational therapist and owner of Sleep OT South Africa.